We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode is brought to you by Impulse Creative. I'm Jackie, and if you want to see real results and work with great humans to grow your business, then Impulse Creative is your agency, and I'm your contact. Reach out to me through our website, impulsecreative.com today, and let's chart your course for growth. From a website that will get results to helping implement a marketing strategy, we're here to help your business grow. Welcome, Wayfinders. I'm your co-host, Dan Moyle. And I'm Remington Begg. Remington, we are diving in deep into this new Impulse Creative website, our focus, all these things, man. I'm so excited. Um, what is, so, so we just had our conversation, you know, 40 minutes of great stuff. What's yeah. one thing that you want to make sure that listeners or viewers take away from all of this? Um, reflection and discovery, I think, is, is a big thing. As companies get more complex, as they make their decisions, they're creating, they're creating experiences for their customers that they don't necessarily intend to when they think about it individually. Um, we had a really fun exercise to be able to kind of rebirth what we've done and how we've done it. We could probably talk about four, on 14 episodes of <laughs> specifically what we've done, but, um, you know, but it's a really eye-opening experience to look at your business as a customer and like follow that customer journey. So try it. So 14 episodes, we have to do a, a new season then of Wayfinding Growth just, out, just, just on this. Yeah. Unpacking mm, experience maybe. platform. Ta, ta, ta. <laughs> so, so one of the things that I loved is, is how you gave two really good examples of what what it is that we're doing and how the thread of customer experience plays a part in that. How and how as a marketing agency and branding experts, it's not just about new leads; it's about other stuff. And so that operations yeah. side of revenue operations is really good. So, listen for that. All right, let's let's get into it. I don't want to take up too much time here in the intro. Um, if you're listening. If you're watching us, you want to listen on the go, go to your favorite podcast player of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher, wherever. We are there. If you're listening and you want to see this, go to wayfindinggrowth.com for the video episodes. So uh, here it is, episode 14 of season three. Let's set that course for growth. Woo! So here we are on episode 14 of season three, Remington. Uh, first of all, how are you feeling today, my man? I'm good. I'm good. good. So it's not like we don't talk all day. <clears throat> right. We were just nerding out about some stuff. So getting into this this mindset of talking this big picture stuff, man, I'm really excited about that. I love how you can yeah. pivot and do that <laughs> because we're talking about pivoting. So I see how I did that. There you go. Uh, so why did we pivot and what is revenue operations? Let's talk about this great big thing. We yeah. recently launched a new version of our website, but it wasn't like some you know, Hey, I want to rebrand this. I came to you and right. said, Hey man, we need some new colors. Like you had this huge mind shift. Why did we pivot and make this mind shift? Let's chart that course. Yeah, no, this is fun. So, um, I almost look at it, you know, my wife and I talk to each other about it and it's, it's rebrand, but it's, um, it's really like a rebirth in a lot of cases, same old company, right? It's the, it's the same, the same people, the way we were talking about things is very close to the same. The um, way we're helping clients, pretty close to the same. What we say matters, pretty close to the same. It's just the, the, like, the connective tissue between all the things wasn't really defined, but it was like a byproduct of how we were operating already. Um, 
you get a time of reflection, you know, uh, and what we have been incredibly blessed that this whole COVID situation didn't affect us as negatively as it could have, um, um, or hasn't yet, you know, it's still in the midst, sure, but, sure. um, but it's been a, you know, it was one of those things where we did lose some revenue and we did have some extra time on our hands. We weren't able to go out and do things just like everyone else in the world, literally having the right. same, the same opportunities and, um, being through a recession, uh, once before when we first started the company, you know, there's times that you can just sit back and stop. And then there's other times where you need to double down and like define things better. And so we had a lot of time to reflect as an organization, but specifically me, you know, a lot of the accounts that I was even hand in hand with, you know, had to go on pause or um, there were obviously lots of conversations about what the future looked like in general, not even company wise. And um, one of the things that we did was we just started looking through and trying to cut costs. And so this is where it all started, right? We're trying to cut costs. We're trying to look at areas in the line items and the budgets and, and all the different softwares we had and whether things were necessary. And our clients were asking a lot of the same questions. This clients were having lots of the same conversations with us about, you know, how do we, how do we bring this tool into this tool? And there's a lot of consolidation happening. And I think we're going to see a lot more consolidation um, both in the number of apps we use, but then also like, like there was just a major acquisition that just happened. Was it with demand base? I think, yeah, um, yeah. you know, so like, I think there's just going to be consolidation happening in general, which usually happens in an economic, uh, what I will call right now a blip. Um, but it, you know, a downturn, you're going to see people start to get more efficient. But when we thought about impulse specifically, I started looking at all the friction points and I listened to, a, um, I listened to a podcast from Joey Coleman and he talked about one of the tenants that Amazon uses is creating an effortless customer experience. And that really resonated with me um, because there's areas in our business that suck. I think any business can identify areas in the business that aren't as uh, amazing as the other areas. Um, you know, we try to make it uh, fun. We try to like enhance that experience, but at the same time, you know, like it sucked paying us. Yeah. <laughs> like our billing system is disconnected. Um, not even the money part, like it just, the, the actual transaction and making sure clients knew it was up was like one big area that so, I think a lot of people could resonate with. So it wasn't the, the Amazon one click. Right. Here, here yeah. we go. It was jump through hoops and create all this. Friction. Right. Yeah. You said yes. And it was still work. Right. Like, it, like usually we want it to be like, let's get you to say yes. And then like the rest of it's gravy. Um, and it just wasn't. So, um, so we looked at the software that we had there there's significant costs in some of that software. And we're like, do we really need this? How does this work? And, um, and then through a couple of the conversations we had with everyone, um, you know, internally and externally, we just started to see, like, I ask every once in a while on Slack, when's the last time you used blank? If people don't know, then do you need the tool, right? And, right. and so, um, so that was really helpful uh, from just a budgeting standpoint. But when we started thinking about the customers that we lost versus the customers that stayed, um, there was this thread that was similar between them. And we are helping them with more than just marketing. The conversations we have about goals aren't just about lead gen. Um, they're about revenue. The, um, 
the ways that the team really jive and really enjoy helping clients isn't just about the, the lead gen. It's about the experience. And these are all unspoken things that weren't really defined as like, Hey guys, this is what we do. And gals, um, this isn't what we do. It was more of a, just like, again, that like connective tissue on the way that we do things. So what better a time than in the middle of a pandemic to <laughs> redefine uh, your entire business? We started going down this, this journey. One of the things that we noticed, um, you know, and we like to be bleeding edge at Impulse Creative. So anyone listening to this, you know, just because we made this pivot doesn't mean it's the right choice, but it feels like the right choice to us. Um, we're assess your it. business, understand your point of view, um, understand your situation, uh, because there's risk in any decision or indecision in that matter. Um, but we looked at it and we, we started saying, okay, so RevOps is, um, RevOps is a term that we're hearing in the market. Uh, what RevOps is, which we'll get into a little bit later in the episode, is something that, um, you know, is up for debate, but it's different than how people are typically thinking about their tech and about their business. And it's just like a different, it's a different point of view um, and it has different outcomes. And so when we look back at those customers that we, that we had a couple of customers uh, increase their business with us, like in a downturn, increase their business. And it was ones that increased because they needed to be able to support and they needed help with setting up a, pro a process that, um, you know, that allowed them and enabled their team to do it. And, um, and so it's just kind of neat to be thinking about the direction and what's next for impulse. And then on the flip side, having essentially real time, like confirmation that the things that are in our head are actually, um, accurate, like actually yeah. there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So fast forward to, um, a couple of weeks later, I jumped into this like mind map, uh, quant <laughs> mindset for a little while and started just riffing out, like essentially what it was, how that affects how we talk about internally and externally and fully understanding the change management, change management behind it all. So when we talk about a pivot, it was a lot easier to pivot back in 2007 when it was my wife and I, right. um, you just slap a couple pages together. The website at that point might've been 12 pages um, total, you know, let's throw a new look and feel on the website. And the last time we did any change in our brand was uh, 2012. So it was, you know, eight years. And so um, we weren't anticipating doing anything different with the visuals at first. We were really just focusing on changing around like positioning and content, like the contextual side of the business. Um, and what, what we realized pretty quick when we like zoomed out and started looking at this, I think you were on the call. Um, when we, when we were like kind of riffing through everything, we're like, this isn't, this isn't just text. Like this is, this really is what, I, what I'll say is rebirth now of the approach, the direction, the focus, like the point of view, you know, the new impulse. And so we, we very uh, eloquently or affectionately call it impulse 3.0, um, 3.0, because impulse has gone through two other brand refreshes, the original, and then, uh, the secondary one where the thought bubble came in. Yeah. And so this 3.0 is, was less visual brand change, more, 
more focused and like contextual brand, like who we are and what we stand for. Um, and it had to stand out because like we're, I think we're making a considerable pivot, bleeding edge. Um, I felt like I've been bleeding a couple of times in, in the move. Um, <laughs> but you know, that bleeding edge was really important. And there, we're in this like uncharted territory with some of the strategies we're doing at the same time that it's exciting because we get to start to define what things are and how they work. Um, and so team came together. Velocity is one of the biggest things, which is understated in our, our website right now, but that's coming. I promise. Um, velocity was a huge piece. We rethought how we deliver our services. We've rethought how we package our marketing. We've rethought just about everything um, to make it, make it fit problems that are happening today. I mean, we were, we even redefined our personas. So the new product is on impulsecreative.com. Um, we're pretty excited about it, but the whole premise is around this growth engine, the, the short-term things you could do now to, to set you up for growth and then making it so that those, those efforts aren't wasted on the long-term goals that you need. So you get to play both the short game and the long game at the same time. That's awesome. So we'll talk a little bit about RevOps here in a minute. Yeah. And I like what you said about how those who increase their spending with us, their, their relationship with us. We're focusing on service and processes. Um, yeah. But first I want to, I want to give an example though. Like we just talked pretty high level and yeah. just pivot. Here's all the things that we did. What is an example of one problem that we solve and that we've been solving for a while, but now we've made this slight shift to make it, you know, maybe in this, in this, during this, um, the recession, during the, the new, this new world, whatever you want to call it, like people are spending less. Yeah. When they come to us, they want to spend a little bit less, but still get a lot out of it. So what's an example of how we're doing that? Yeah. So we just launched yesterday, um, officially publicly, um, the Evolve HubSpot website theme template. Um, we have had a framework on how we build websites and how we do things. Um, you know, historically a website started at 5,000 bucks and was fully featured grow with you, you know, that whole premise. Um, we looked, we looked into it again, reflecting on numbers. We track every minute impulse. And um, one of the things that I put as like a flag in the sand for success for the year before COVID for the record was I want to do, I want to increase the value times one and a half, but I want to decrease the cost. Those are opposing forces, right? That's right. a lot of friction. So, so th those two, those two opposing forces, everyone right now in the market is going up market. They're trying to get the bigger websites. They're trying to get the bigger accounts. They're trying to get the bigger stuff. And everyone's so focused up here that they're forgetting like, you know, how HubSpot talks about it, like SMB and like smaller companies are the, are the foundation of everything that HubSpot's built in their ecosystem. You know, they built the ground and then went enterprise. All these other companies are trying to go enterprise and then you kind of forget the ground. Um, there's a huge market there. And so the only way to be able to service those people is, is really look at understand profitability and profitability matters. And if it didn't matter to people pre-COVID, it does now. Um, we looked at those websites and I was like, okay, so how can we, and I've done this with all of our products, how can we make that same service half the price? How and can just a discount, like truly half the price, right? Half the price, like not a discount. How can we make it half the price? And on the, on the flip side, we still got to have a healthy organization, right? How can we make it so that we at least maintain the profit? So if we're making half the price, we're essentially saying we have to double the profit to make it equal. Um, 
you know? And so that's one, one fulcrum. And then the other fulcrum was how do we make it faster? So a $5,000 website historically was a 60 ish day project, 60 to 90, depending on client response. Um, the new product is a website that is what I would consider better or equal quality, um, starts at $3,400 and is done in three weeks. And so um, we've launched six, seven of those right now. And the team is happier. It's well-defined customizations there, flexibilities there. Like it deploys really nicely. It's less work for us. There's more value for the client. And there's this like unlimited opportunity to grow it. Um, and the best part is if you look at our website, well, our website isn't this, this $5,000 website concept. Um, all of the foundational work and stuff that we did on it is based off of this same framework um, that we yeah. started with. So, so that's, that's just one area. And then, you know, taking that all the way through to audits and assessments and just general consulting and direction, we're just really rethinking, like, how do we make it more accessible and still survive? Um, you know, so. And how, and so how does that help? our clients? How are we serving yeah. this SMB and mid market companies? What does that really do for them then? Yeah. I mean, so if, if we make something that's 30% cheaper, that's 30% more money they could spend on promotion or something. Right. Mm -hmm. um, right. If, you know, I never wanted to have a company that it just feels like we're draining the life force out of people. Um, you know, we let quite a few people out of contracts, um, with COVID and, you know, even before COVID, if things were rough, like, Hey, we get it. We're human. Um, the website, the website should be an exciting foundational piece of your marketing that helps you move forward. In a lot of cases, it's, uh, I signed the contract and then <laughs> I have to work. Mm -hmm. It takes forever. Right? Like, I don't know many, if any companies that are like, wow, this is awesome. I'm so glad that we did this in the middle of their website project. Right. Um, this new version, this new way we're doing things. Like I just got off a training call and they're like, this is amazing. We're so excited. And they've only been our customer two and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. So. And so often you get to the end of it and like, yeah, you think you have a great site and you're finally like, okay, good. I'm never doing that again. Right. 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 Like three years later. <laughs> yeah. So now it's this exciting part. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> so you talked about how the increase, uh, from the clients, the, the, the clients who increased with us, who stayed with us, who maybe spent more money, who, you know, yep. wanted to work more with us were the ones who saw us as more than a marketing agency. Yeah. Like that's, that's who we are. We help you market. We help you build your business. That's how who we've always been branding that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But in reality, they needed help with, less marketing and more of their service side of things, their processes they were working on, their operations. Yeah. So talk me through that. What does that look like now with our new, you know, rebirth? So two, two example kind of flagship use cases. Um, and it's funny because all of our messaging before the redesign was leads, 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 customers, 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 revenue, revenue, revenue. And, um, that works for a marketing agency that works for a company that's helping you do SEO or helping you do with your brand. And for the record, we absolutely are equipped and willing and able to help with those things. But what was interesting was when we looked at, um, you know, one of our clients, uh, Paloxing, 
right? We built out an entire infrastructure for their company. Um, they're a case study for HubSpot even about like what's possible. And the value, you know, is even in the, um, even in the use case where like we showed one of the questions on the case studies was what, how did you increase their, uh, how many leads did you increase and what's the revenue increase? We couldn't mm -hmm. fill out those fields. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. We didn't even, we, I'm not sure that we generated them one more lead. Right. But what we did is we completely transformed the amount of effort it took to service their customer. And so um, we built out an entire process. We took, it was three different programs or softwares that they were using that were fragmented and we consolidated it all onto the HubSpot CRM, built their website on the HubSpot CMS. And they have this whole infrastructure and way that they can serve clients and the entire experience, the, the value prop of like the reason, like we got a testimonial from uh, one of the ladies over at Bloxing and it was, I'm just so excited that I don't have to do 45 hours of work per month um, in all this like admin data, like data management stuff. And so then that gets you to start thinking the value prop of like all of our marketing historically has been leads, 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 revenue, 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 you know, customers, customer, customers. Um, and yet we're helping this really eloquent, really sticky, really like awesome customer over here. And the word leads doesn't even come out of our mouth. <laughs> and, and when you think about that is if we cut 45 hours a month worth of payroll from a, a high level executive within a company, just from an admin point of view, plus however many people underneath are there, and we build out this system that allows for you to save that much payroll, that could be more valuable than the actual shiny net new lead. Um, so that was lesson one. Lesson two was a similar, a similar situation where it was more aligning sales and service. So everyone talks about smarketing. They talk about um, sales and marketing alignment um, and service level agreements between marketing and sales. So that like, hey, I got this lead. It's really cool. Sales, go sell it. Right. Right. And then, and then maybe hopefully they, um, they pass it off to the customer service team the right way. Talk to a lot of customer service teams. They'll be like, yep, we hate it when the sales leads come in, we have to re-ask for everything or we have to do all these different things. And it's interesting because in this other example, it's a SaaS company. They have a considerable, um, and very effective sales team. Like we don't need to help them with acquisition they started running into an issue where they couldn't service the clients fast enough. And so they were on Salesforce um, and then a couple other internal tools. And we actually removed them from Salesforce and set up all of their automation and all of their, you know, processes using tickets and deals. And without getting too nerdy, the entire process now is running in HubSpot. The reporting is automatic. Things just flow and, um, and they don't have to wonder where they are. I mean, they just show up and look at their task list each day. Like, again, no content, no conversation about leads, no conversation about, you know, like there's conversation about revenue, but it, but it's also the conversations about like how we've reduced the number of man hours needed to onboard a customer. Yeah. There's significant value there too. So those are two big lessons that, and those are, those are, I think the, 
the far reaching edges of both sides, right? We help people with the marketing and the acquisition and all of that. And then now we're helping people with like the customer service onboarding and like delivery. There's just so much in the middle that we also help with across other clients here and there. Mm-hmm. And up until what, four weeks ago, we didn't even mention it on our website. It was just like a byproduct of, oh yeah, we can also help you with that. Yep. Did you know we can do that? Did you know we right. can do that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk then about, so you, you talked about, you know, revenue, you talked about operations, you talked a little bit about yeah. RevOps itself. Let's truly define that then. And then we'll go from yeah. there on to what, how we see ourselves. So, so help me understand what is revenue operations to you? I'm not reading this from anywhere. This is coming straight out of my brain. Yep. Um, Perfect. That's what I want. (laughs) That's what listeners want. So, so revenue operations, um, it, so I'm going to start with what it isn't because I think that that's an easy, easier word picture. Revenue operations is not another bucket, um, of your sales organization to focus only on revenue. Um, it is not a customer service function and it is not something that, you know, um, our pal Doug always says subordinate to marketing your sales, right? It's revenue operations to me is a mindset and a way of thinking about how the end to end experience is and how efficient it is, right? All the way from, I'm thinking about my problem all the way through to, wow, that was the most amazing experience I've ever had in my life. Um, I would gladly pay them again, right? Like that customer point of view is what we're talking from the customer. Yep. 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 All the way through. Now the other lens of, of RevOps or revenue operations, and it's a byproduct is the, the experience that the individual uh, implementer or the salesperson or the customer service rep or the company individuals have on the flip side, right? It's like, we're both on, on, we got the customer on one side of the wall customer on one side of the wall. And then we have the, um, the servicing employee, regardless of the department on the other, like they have to be able to be in communication and not have to worry about climbing stairs or ladders or swinging from trees in order to get (laughs) to the next stage. Like it should just be like a conveyor belt. And we just like look at each other on this conveyor belt together. Um, that's, that's like the big picture. But for me, true revenue ops is striving for this effortless customer experience from, from end to end. Um, and it's less about revenue. We care about revenue. Revenue will always be a measure because like without revenue, you don't have a company, you have a hobby. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but it's more the operations side of how are we operationalizing the way we do business in a way that serves the customer and is ultra efficient. Um, I explain, uh, I've explained revenue ops in more of a word picture as air traffic control, right? Air traffic control's job is to make sure that everyone takes off and lands safely. Yep. Um, no one crashes. They're, they're thinking about how all, all the different layers fit together of the airplanes and the flight plans and the landing times and all that. The pilots who are in, in the cockpits and the passengers who are on the planes, they are not worried and shouldn't even think about air traffic control if we do our job right. Um, right. And it's, so it's this, this connective tissue and this, this, this high level view of how all the different cogs in the wheel work. 
um, that really allows for you to start thinking from a revenue ops mindset. Um, that's revenue ops. Um, so but it's not something you can just be like, we got revenue ops people. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, I like that you said it's a mindset. So yeah. if revenue operations is the air traffic controller is, um, is the pilot, the business in the people in the seats, the customer? Sure. Is that kind of what we're thinking here? Like, yeah. like we so, both rely on yeah. air traffic controller to get us to where we're going. Yeah. But then we have to be incongruent, incongruent yeah. communication. So maybe, maybe the planes, the planes, the product, the pilot is the, the service personnel, the sales personnel. And you're, you're jumping on this really, really easy layover. Like imagine if you had layovers where you didn't have to get off the plane, you're allowed mm -hmm. to stand up and they just changed out the pilot. They didn't change out you. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's like kind of the vision that I see here. I'm using, I'm using the airlines as a, uh, as a rev ops example. And it's not exactly the most frictionless process in the world. <laughs> not always, but, but it could but be yeah. right. We, we yeah, it could be. be. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine if they changed the pilot instead of the passengers, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, it's funny because you're using air travel rather than our normal, like, nautical thing. Sure. Um, but whether it's nautical, whether it's air, like, what are the things, what are the obstacles to look out for, the friction points, the things that would cause the shipwrecks, whatever it yeah. be, what are, the, what are the, those pain points that we should look out for for thinking about RevOps? So I think there's a heavy, heavy discovery and diagnosis that you can do. Um, it's going to be different for every company. Um, we... So RevOps is technically a service at Impulse Creative. We will do consulting and help you with execution. Um, you know, so it's, it's a mindset as well, but like a lot of times people need outside view or the outside look. The shipwrecks that you run into are not having a voice of the customer. Um, not, I'm not saying like a human, like sitting on your shoulder going like, hey, that's not right. But but really like experience what the customer experiences. Sign up for that newsletter. Sign up for your own service. Try mm -hmm. to buy something. Try to go through the entire journey and see what kind of conversations that you have. You, um, the, the show Undercover Boss. Yeah. Is yep. a rev ops dream you might find some people that do really amazing work. You might also find stuff that's really, really crappy, mm -hmm. right? But think about the process and if you're like, oh, that's not right. Like we have an example that's not quite as, it's not, not quite as sensational as Undercover Boss. But we had one example we've talked about in other, um, in other shows is an onboarding experience over a six week period, or sorry, a, um, a 90 day period that I can't do math, 90 day period that has 300 emails mm -hmm. that have been sent from an individual on our team over a 90 day period. Is that a problem? No, I'm actually quite happy that they sent that, that they sent emails when they're needed. Could it be better? Maybe. If I received 300 emails, would I love it? No. But if my problem was solved, would I love it? Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, there's trade-offs and I think right. that that's a real important thing, but if you experience the flow of the customer and you get five follow-up emails about something from five different people in your organization, could they have had a conversation and one person sent the email or 
you have five different people on a, on a call with a client that are asking all these different questions and it's really hard to schedule them all on one meeting. Would it actually be easier for everyone's schedule if it was five 15 minute meetings and then one 15 minute powwow internally for everyone to have a conversation together? Yeah. Maybe. Right. About, yeah. The answer is maybe the answer is not always yes or no, but if you don't experience that whole path and you don't map out that customer journey, there's no way that you'd be able to understand um, what could be optimized or not. And sometimes the CEOs or as C-suite or managers, or even like, you know, the, the support employee, like we don't have that perspective and that understanding. And that's where you might need to ask for some help, but but yeah, look for the paths where there's confusion. Pay attention to the customer's voice. Um, and I think one of the big things, I'll give an example about content. So in a marketing agency, one of the biggest hangups historically has been content. It's content approvals, it's content interviews, and it's typically client proofreading. It's the three big hangups one of the biggest issues that we found is that the client expects that we're going to write the content. So then why should they have to read it? And for the record, they don't read it just once. They usually read it twice, <laughs> right? They read it the first time to make sure it's topically relevant. And then they read it a second time because they want to make sure that it reads exactly the way that they would for their voice. Well, if it's a 20 minute read each time, that's 40 minutes. Yeah. If, if as a company, we haven't told the client that, hey, save 20 minutes of your week so that you can read this article and we just slap it on them at a Friday end of day, of course they're gonna be like friction filled, right? Yep. So you start to see symptoms and it's easy to blame the customer. It's easy to be like, wow, that customer just doesn't care about their content. But it's also like, we own that experience. We own the amount of effort that the client has. And if the client knows that they have that much effort that they need to put in and they haven't been able to plan it, how do we help them plan it? Going back to that 300 email thing, maybe a 300 email is a good example in this case because we're not giving 14 pages of content that need approval, we're giving one. Maybe that's the way that needs to be done. But if we're not talking to the customer about the fact they're gonna need 20 minutes, how are we going to get that out of them at the end of the week when, when we need it to keep things moving? So mm -hmm. it's communication. It's making sure things are effortless and it's looking for those areas. And, you know, we put that pin on the wall when we started thinking about the new vision for impulse is an effortless, effortless customer experience. You've got to have some kind of tenant about what you're trying to do. Uh, and then you just gotta, you just gotta peel back all the layers of the onions and you'll find a whole lot of crap and then you got to prioritize it. Because the prioritization is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And speaking of prioritization and like making it happen, if I'm on this RevOps journey, yeah, what are some navigational tools I should probably have <laughs> in my, you know, tool belt to consider? So uh, great question. And I have to like rewind for a minute. Another okay. roadblock that you're going to run into, you need to have all your data. Okay. That's the answer to your question. Your data needs to be in one spot. And I'm serious, one spot. Like there has to be one single source of truth for your entire organization. It should be a CRM or a customer relationship management system. If it's not, you're in trouble. If you, another symptom is you have 14 Google Sheets for reporting and you've got 14 different dashboards 
um, that have information that are fr from different sources and you have to manually update that information. It's not automatically like synced from something. You've got a problem. You've got friction. You've got potential for major, major issues. Um, so the navigational tool is having your single source of truth. For us, that's HubSpot CRM. We have HubSpot CRM. Everything's in HubSpot. The last invoice that's due, the, the, the link to the Asana document for approvals. Um, we've gone as far as making so all this information is accessible to clients all the time. You don't have to do that. But if you don't have that single source of truth that someone can look something up and they have to ask someone, that's friction. And it's not exactly positive friction, right? You want to make sure you get um, that single source of truth. HubSpot CRM for all of those that need, and we're happy to give you a tour. Absolutely. So, so having your data in one spot is both um, avoiding a shipwreck and one of our tools. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, okay. Um, and we, you know, we're a HubSpot Solutions partner, uh, yeah. recently, recently a diamond partner. Congratulations, diamond. team. Um, right, like a diamond. I, I, want, I want that as our announcement. I want you singing. Anyway, um, <laughs> with diamond emojis falling, like just being like, oh, uh, anyway. Um, oh, my God, I should do it. Be totally off track. But <laughs> so, so, so HubSpot is, is, our, is our oftentimes our, our tool, yeah. uh, recommended tool. Um, yeah. But there are other ways to do this. I mean, is... Is a tool like Databox where you can mm -hmm. bring in a bunch of reports one of those or is it, like you said, CRM? Is that really right. what we need to focus on is truly the CRM? Yeah, you have to have a home for your data. I think Databox is great because it's a source of being able to visualize said data. Okay. But so the cool thing about Databox is it, it hooks up to that, that data source, which is HubSpot. You could use tools like Salesforce or some of these other enterprise is like ERP systems for like keeping track of orders and processing and stuff. But at a certain point, you've, you've got to pay attention to the friction and you got to pay attention to all these different other tools that are add-ons. So when we have HubSpot, HubSpot, you know, you got the CMS, you got the marketing tools, you got the sales tools, you got the support tools and you got the CRM. It's all like this hub and spoke. It's just all just one database. Mm -hmm. There's value in that single database and that single source of truth. That's like, the currency of your entire organization is that stuff. Yeah. Um, what would your company be if all of a sudden you didn't have any contact information of any of your customers past, present, and future? Mm. You'd be screwed. Yeah. It would all be fall screwed. apart. Right. I know some people that use like, um, you know, paper Rolodex cards right now still. And even they are moving to digital right? Because they want to be able to see their stuff. But I just couldn't imagine a world where you didn't have all that stuff in one spot. Um, now we're bleeding edge. I think there's a lot of companies right now that have their stuff in the cloud or somewhere, but it's not all of the information. When's client renewal coming up? When is the billing due? Did we get paid? You know, what's our revenue this year? What is this? What is Dan's sales numbers? What is, you know, we just, all these different numbers need to come from somewhere. And if they're coming from different spaces, you're diluting the value of your database. Um, so it causes a real big issue. The cool thing about HubSpot is it starts out free. So any company getting started that has a customer list can do it. Yeah. That's awesome. So what, um, what piece of advice would you give as a wayfinder to someone who's just starting to think about this and going, okay, you know, big picture, it sounds good. You know, it sounds like revenue operations, something that big companies probably doing. 
I have this, mm-hmm. you know, mid-market company or a small business, but, but I'm interested. I really want to do something. What's your first piece of advice? Take that first step. Yeah. So the easiest look for, and you have to do that discovery and the prioritization, look for opportunities that have the highest return on effort. So how much work do you have to do? And, you know, for this one specific item and how much will it yield? Um, Doug jokes about like, can you get more juice for the squeeze? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same, the same concept, but w- when we're, um, when we're talking about getting a higher return on effort is how, how can you make it easier on your team or, and, or easier on the customer where, and how much effort will it take to make that fix? Um, a chat bot is a perfect example, right? Like one of the most glaring things is there's multiple chat bot tools that people have, and they're usually different chat bot tools, sales and service. Mm-hmm. How much effort would it take to just make it so that if someone was a customer, they got the same chat and it was an easy experience to be transitioned between. It would not take a lot of effort to do that. Um, there's going to be other things that are heavier that we lean in on that are going to be more effort, but you have to prioritize the amount of impact they can have um, versus the amount of effort. Yeah. Um, and then just start questioning it. Does it have to be this way? Is this like, why is it this way? Not to be like negative, right? You don't want to, well, why do we have to serve customers? Well, that like, you know, be sensible about it, but like question why, like, why is it that we do it this way? And if someone doesn't know the answer in your organization, that doesn't mean it's wrong. Cause the way we've always done it is actually still an okay thing because there's standard operating procedures and someone found it, but like open up the conversation to start having, having conversations about like what could be better. Um, ask your company what it is you do in their own words. It's pretty, some pretty enlightening stuff you can get out of there. Mm-hmm. How much variation do you have? It's a messaging issue that affects experience. So there's just so many different things you can slice at, but look for the ones that are bleeding, fix those. And then, and then you can start like tweaking and adjusting and uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. We're all here. And, and revenue operations is not just for the huge companies, right? Like if I'm a smaller company, I can start thinking about this now. Right. Yeah. I think, I think now's the time that you can make the biggest impact with the least amount of effort. Mm-hmm. Um, if we talk to a company that has a thousand employees and we want to make cons- like m- menial changes in their process, it might be like five or six people. If you have a, if you have a team of a thousand employees and you want to make a menial change, you have to like have several meetings with several pods yeah. of people to talk about why, how, and what the change is in order to get them to mm-hmm. adopt it. Those little deviations can cause some major issues, especially yeah. if you get it wrong. So it's actually safer to do it when you're smaller and you can, you know, you can save on payroll from the start. Yeah. Um, you can increase revenue from the start. You know, there's just a lot of ways to do business smarter. Uh, I think, and I think revenue ops starts to make you question uh, from the beginning. And do business smarter. That's the key, right? It's, mm-hmm. it, you know, increase revenue, increase profitability, decrease costs, put in SOPs, you know, reduce friction. It's just working yeah. smarter. Which, yeah, which operationalizing your business is, you know, Julie says that all the time, like, uh, let's make this an operation. Let's make this like a well-oiled machine. Um, 
it's the operations side of RevOps. And so just remember, revenue operations cares about revenue, but it's about operations. Good stuff, man. All right. So that's why we made that pivot. Uh, what a great time to pivot, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what revenue operations is. So check out impulsecreative.com for that and uh, sign up for an account and check out our, our, our journey on becoming a frictionless experience. Yeah. It may not be perfect, but we're working on it. That's right. I love it. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for being a part of this again and, and for bringing this to our listeners. And uh, yeah, check out impulsecreative.com, man. Cheers. Sweet. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it. Post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend. Give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always, go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.